0: Good morning. It is good to see you all this Mother's Day morning. Happy Mother's Day again. Um, On Mother's Day, we want to uh, make sure that we are rejoicing with those who rejoice and that we are grieving with those who grieve. Uh, Mother's Day is a wonderful um, day for most mothers, but but there are many who have lost children, um, who have had other circumstances, Maybe lost a mother that was very close, and you know Mother's Day is not always the most happy day uh, for people and and that's okay and we need to recognize that and we need to love them um, everybody no matter where they are and and how they feel on this day um, but motherhood is a wonderful blessing um, it's a it's a wonderful thing that God has given and so um, our sermon today is on uh, Naomi and Ruth, it just so happens it worked out good this way that as we're working through the Bible, we finished Joshua and judges, and now we are to the book of ruth, and so that's that's where we are this morning let's let 's pray together. Father, we love you and Father we thank you. Father, we thank you for our mothers. Father, we thank you for giving us life. Father, we thank you for for showing us what real love is and and showing us what it means to to be a family. And so, Father, we just, we, just, we just thank you for that. Father, we thank you most of all for forgiving your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be reunited with you and have relationship with you forever. Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, I pray that as I, as I preach your message today that uh, we'll stay faithful to your text and that it will change us, that we will all be different um, from your word and, and seeing who you are and, and see what it is that you're revealing to us. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your amazing love for us. We love you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So this time period that we're in, in the book of Ruth, is during the period of the Judges that we just finished. And the last verse of the book of Judges tells you what this time period was like. Judges twenty one twenty five says, In those days there was no king in Israel, And everyone did whatever seemed right to him. Everyone did whatever they wanted. And if you read the book of Judges, you'll see that there was a lot of killing, a lot of death, a lot of revenge, a lot of um, lawlessness, a lot of people abandoning God. It was not a good time to live. Um, We do honestly need to count our blessings in living in the country that we live in and the protections that we have, and the blessing that we've been given. Um, Because we could have just as easily, God could have placed your soul, um, during the time of Ruth, uh, during the time of the judges, during any time throughout history, even today, in a different place in the world. There are so many places around the world where it is a dangerous place to live, and you could live in fear. And during the time of judges, that's exactly what people did. People lived in fear. They lived in fear for their safety. But during that time, we read this story. Ruth 1, 1 through 5 says this. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malan and Chilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. Life didn't go as Naomi had planned, to say the least. And I bet life hasn't gone the way you thought it would go either. Life does not tend to end up the way that we plan it. And life can seem hopeless after tragedies. The reason is because we don't have the power or the ability to restore what we had, what we lost. We can't bring the people we love back from the dead and we can't turn back time and we know it. So we feel like there's no hope. There's no hope of smiling again. There's no hope of, of laughing again. There's no hope of, of having peace again. But that's not completely true. Yes, it is true that we don't have the power to fix it. But God can. And he will. He's promised that he will fix everything for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Romans eight thirty eight. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Picking back up in verse 6. We read that she and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's need by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them, and they wept loudly. Now what was Naomi doing here? Here is her family, her daughter's-in-law, and she's telling them, go back, go back to your mother's home, go back to your father's home. Leave me. Why is she saying this? Because in this day and age, Naomi wouldn't have had a way to provide for herself, much less her daughter's-in-law, and they wouldn't have been able to either. And the thing was, Naomi was looking at her life, and she was looking at what she could see, how to salvage her life, and how to salvage their situation, and she didn't see a way out. And so she did what she thought, I believe, what she thought was best for them. Go back to your families. Marry again. You'll have a husband who'll be able to take care of you because it's the only way I see out of this situation for you. And don't worry about me. I can't. I'm not going to remarry. I've got no hope. But don't worry about me. I'll figure something out. But I don't see any solution to this problem except for you to go back to your families and start over. They said to her, we insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters. My life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Now Ruth had a huge life choice to make. And let's not downplay it because we read so quickly through the Scripture. Ruth was faced with a serious, life-altering choice that she had to make. The possibility of going back home, remarrying, having a family, and having a secure future, or staying with my mother-in-law, Giving up the opportunity, foreseeable opportunity. I mean, this was her choice. Giving up the foreseeable opportunity of having a family, of having kids, and dying with her. Because she has no hope, and I have no hope, and I don't think she's going to be able to make it without me. And honestly, if I go with her, I honestly think the way it's going to end up is where you die, I will die, and we will be buried together. Ruth had a huge decision to make. She essentially gave up the opportunity to have children and a new family in order to live with and take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. Now, that doesn't mean (laughs) she cut ties with her, it just means she, tr- she stopped trying to convince her to go home. <clears throat> the two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival. And the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Now, in English, it doesn't make much sense to us, but Naomi meant pleasant. I don't know if you've... I don't know anybody named Pleasant, but but I, I've, I've met some people who have some pretty interesting names. Um... But Naomi means pleasant. I I went to a school with a girl named Lovely, so it would be similar to that. But Mara means bitter. Her name was pleasant, but she said, not anymore. Call me bitter, because that's who I am. Naomi was bitter with God. She was angry with Him. She blamed Him for their deaths. And she thought he was wrong for doing so and had no intentions of forgiving him. Now God didn't actually do anything wrong. So He therefore he didn't need forgiveness. But that's what bitterness is. Bitterness is when you feel like someone has wronged you and you hold anger inside of you and you refuse to forgive them. That's what bitterness is. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm upset and I hold you accountable for it and I'm not going to let it go. Naomi was bitter with God. As I said before, this was a very dangerous time to live in. It was a very difficult time to live and Ruth stood out as one who did not give up hope. Neither her nor Naomi could see a way out neither of them could see a way to make the good, a good future for themselves. But Ruth completely committed herself to care for Naomi and to serve Yahweh, even if it meant their death. And that's what God is looking for. Now hear me on this. He's not looking for Naomis that love him when life is everything you've always wanted but are angry with him and bitter towards him when life falls apart. This life is full of pain and tragedy and sorrow and heartache and brokenness. This life is full of it. This life is broken and fallen and sinful. And it is not what God has in store for us forever. This life is temporary. He has no intentions of letting us live here forever. And he never intended for us to look to the things or the people in this life to give us what we need and be everything we were made for. Because we weren't made For this life, we were made for Eden. God made us for Him. He's the only one who can give us everything we need. And He's the only one who can be what we need. And He has a new Eden a new heavenly Jerusalem that will come down out of the sky and land on a new earth where he will live with us how he meant to live with us forever. With him. So he's looking for Ruth's. He wants us to be completely committed to him even if it means death. Death. Wholehearted, whole life commitment to the one who made us and gave us life. And that's what you have to do. That's where we have to get to. It doesn't mean that life is all doom and gloom and that you don't get to experience any of that life in this life. No, you do. You do. You do get to experience that type of love and peace, and joy in this life. It's just not fully yet. You don't get to fully experience it yet. The scripture says, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. You see what this is saying here? What we see of heaven, what we see of life, what we see of God, is only, it's only like looking through a, a dim glass that you can just see the, the outline. You can just see it hazy. You don't, we're not getting to fully experience God yet. But we will. And we will fully know him as he fully knows us already. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says it a little more clearly. It says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. Simply put, what God has in store for us forever, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart has even conceived of. It's going to be far more glorious and far more amazing than you could ever imagine. Ever. God did end up providing for Naomi and Ruth. He did. He blessed them in a very special way. Ruth went into the fields to gather leftover grain and it ended up belonging to one of the fields of a man named Boaz. He was a family redeemer. Long story short, he ends up marrying Ruth, and in so doing, looks after the well being of Naomi as well. And Boaz and Ruth have a son. Says Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and became his nanny. The neighbor women said, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want to just take just a second. It's a little side note, but I just want to point this out. Ruth was a Moabitess. She was a foreigner outside of the covenant promise. And Boaz, who she married, you know who his mother was? Rahab, the prostitute from Canaan. Ruth was a Moabite, a Moabitess. Rahab was a Canaanite. Both foreigners, the great grandmother and the great great grandmother of King David, who eventually came Jesus. God could have chosen anyone to be the ancestors of the Messiah. He could have. He could have picked any lineage. He could have chosen any combination of, father, of husband and wife and kids and, and followed any lineage he wanted to bring up the Messiah. And this is the one he chose. And if God were ashamed somehow... Of the fact that they were of a different race. He could have hidden it. He didn't have to record it in the scriptures. He could have just swept it under the rug and we wouldn't have any idea. But he didn't. He made sure that everyone knew. And he devoted an entire book... Of his sacred scriptures to the story of Ruth. Now, get this importance here. The story, the book of Ruth, is about a foreigner with no miracles in it. It doesn't have any law in it. God didn't give any new laws for the Israelites to follow, He didn't perform any miracles them to praise him for or anything else significant at all to his chosen people except the fact that Ruth committed herself to following God as a foreigner and became the great grandmother of King David and so God weaved a Moabitess Into his covenant blessings. The most significant thing about the book of Ruth. Why did God give it to us? Why did he include it in here? Because every book in here, it seems pretty obvious why he gave it to us. Why Ruth? Because it tells that even foreigners outside the covenant, if they will just devote themselves to me, I will weave them right into the family. And they will receive the same blessings as anybody else. Romans 10, 11, and 12. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all. All who call on him. God does not make any distinctions between races. The same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. And he's not ashamed of it. Now, Naomi was taken care of, and Ruth did end up having a family. But Naomi did not get her husband and her two sons back in this life. And everyone doesn't get the family they hoped for, like Ruth did in this life. We are not promised anything in this life except the one thing that is worth more than all of it put together, and that's God himself. But thankfully... This life is short. Because this is not where I want to live for the next thousand years. Can I get an amen? I don't want to be here a thousand years from now. I don't want to be here a hundred years from now. But I do want to make the biggest difference in eternity that I can while I'm here. You may not think that as a mother, and you hear this a lot, especially from stay-at-home mothers. But you may not think that as a mother, you're making a big difference. But I want to assure you that the greatest names in history that have accomplished the greatest feats in history fall miserably short in comparison to the eternal impact that you can make in just one child's life by leading them to the Father who gives life to all who call on Him. The impacts of Rome have a time limit. The impact that the United States has had on the world and has on the world has a time limit the impact that computers have had and will have on the world has a time limit. And a billion years from now, those impacts won't even be remembered. Think about it. How many of you have not said to yourself, man, you know what? It sure would be nice to be Bill Gates sometimes. Has anybody worried about just having all their cares provided for financially? And the impact that Bill Gates and and Steve Jobs and and whoever else that the, the computers have made, which, honestly, you're not taking them back out of the equation until Jesus comes back. The impacts that they have made will continue to have greater and greater impacts, computers will, into the future until Jesus returns. But a billion years from now, They won't mean anything. They won't have an impact on anything. But whether or not you led someone to Christ will. Because it will still affect them a billion years from now. Whether they had an iPhone won't matter a billion years from now. But whether they had Jesus will. And that's the most important thing that any mother or father can pour their life into during this brief time that we have on earth. There is no guarantees because every boy and girl will still have to make that decision for themselves. We can't make it for them. If we could, we would. Would we not? But we can't. But don't ever think that what you do for your kids that no one else ever sees or knows about that doesn't seem to affect the world you live in one way or the other is not of the utmost importance. Because I'm telling you right now that what you are doing to lead your children into eternal relationship with God to love Him and obey Him and be fully devoted to Him is more important than what the president is doing or what Congress is doing or what the Supreme Court is doing. It's more important. What you're doing will have eternal impacts that will last for eternity. They will last infinitely longer than what everybody else is doing and even though the bible is clear that when a man and a woman get married that they now form a new family unit don't ever forget i can't cuz my mom won't let me that as long as you are both still alive you're still their mother and you still have an opportunity to make a difference in their life so don't ever give up their souls Are too important for you to give up. Even when you don't think there's any hope. Don't give up. I'll say it again. Their eternal soul is too important for you to give up. Naomi and Ruth thought there was no hope for them. They were convinced of it. And Naomi was bitter because she was convinced there was no hope. But God made a way when they couldn't. And it's not just your children, it's anyone you know. They all have eternal souls, and they are all too important to give up on. And I want you to remember this. God wants them saved more than you do. I heard uh, in a, a parenting um, video conference type thing. It's called The Art of Parenting. They got little video clips. And, and one of the guys on there was talking about parenting and raising his kids. He's a pastor, actually. And he said, uh, He said, you know, if we knew when our kids were born exactly how long they would live. If we knew the day they would die, if we knew exactly how long they would live, we would parent them differently than we do. And he said, you know what I found out? We do know. The day they're born, we do know exactly how long they're going to live. He said, they're going to live forever. Because once God placed that soul in that child, that soul will never cease to exist. And therefore, we should parent them differently. We should parent them knowing that they will never cease to exist when they leave this earth. I love you. I love every one of you, but I fell miserably in comparison to how much God loves you. He loves you. He loves your parents. He loves your children. He loves every soul that he's placed on this earth. And so for the mothers out here, I just want to remind you, what you're doing is the most important thing anyone could possibly ever do. And it matters. And it's going to matter way into the future when none of this other stuff that we think matters, matters anymore. Don't give up. Because when it seems like there's no hope, God can always make a way. And what he has in store for those who love him No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart has ever even conceived of. And I can't wait. I can, but I can't. I am so thankful that God has given us just enough time to know him and to make an impact, but then to call us home so that we don't have to live in this miserable awful place for eternity let's make the biggest impact we can make until he calls us home let's have our closing song amen I love y'all I really really do I thank y'all for being here today on your Mother's Day. I thank y'all for celebrating this day with me. And I pray that this message has touched you and has spoke to you, that God has revealed himself to you in a, in a way that maybe he hasn't yet. And that most of all, that you can look at Naomi's life and you can look at Ruth's life And that you can see that even when there appears to be no hope, that God can make a way. And that we just need to devote ourselves to him and to love him. Because he loves you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your love for us. Father, we thank you for all the people that you've placed in our life. All the family, all the friends, all the relatives, all the people we've crossed paths with at work. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have a plan for each one of us, that you have a plan for our days, that you have prepared things for us to do. And that you have come to indwell within us through the Holy Spirit to help us to live out this life that you have planned for us. And we're thankful that you're a good God and that the plans you have are good. Father, that that what you have in store for us is good. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, we do. We look forward to the day when you will call us home and make all things wrong right. When you will restore everything. Father we do look forward to that day. But Father until then we need you. We need you with us here and now always. We need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. We need you to continue to love us. And to show us. Day by day. What it is you have for us. We love you Father. We can never thank you enough for your love and forgiveness for us. Father, thank you. Help us live this life with hope. Hope that you have a good future for us. No matter whether we can see it or not. That we trust you. And know that you have a good future ahead. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.